first for a pray before the homily, just a word of welcome to those who uh, maybe are with us for the first time or are with us again for the first time in a while. I know many students will go to Mass as they go home and then they come back and so you're here, so we welcome you to Christ the King and we're just grateful yeah, to be here on this campus and to be here with you. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate these scriptures for us, Lord. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Why are we here? Why this particular day are we here? It's because we recognize, each and every one of us, that right, we, we have sinned and that we are sinners in need of God's mercy. We're here too, not only recognizing that we are sinners in need of his mercy, but that there is at least a level of faith and confidence that the Lord is merciful. Otherwise, there would be no faith and no hope and no love that would be drawing us here before the Lord. And so, just a couple of basic things at the beginning here. One, I mean, again, that the fact that we're here at the beginning of Lent, that we know this, like, sin is real, right? Sin's real. We're, we're aware of this in our own life. And sin has real consequences in our life, right? Consequences on the natural level and natural relationships. Sin has supernatural consequences and, and can have eternal consequences gone unrepentant. But one thing that we need to understand as we understand the effects of sin is that what sin can never do, and sin can never change the heart of the Father. God's love for us is not based on our performance, and it is not changed by our sin. And the enemy wants to believe that happens, right? That when we sin, either a really big mortal sin or sin over a long period of time, that at some point, right, that the Lord no longer loves us or no longer has mercy for us. And that is just a lie from the pit of hell. The scriptures tell us very profoundly, Romans 5, 8, it should be a scripture that we all have memorized. God proves his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we stopped sinning, not after we changed our life, not after we became saints, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The proof of the Father's love. So now, what does that mean? Does it mean that it doesn't matter that we sin or sin's no big deal? No, again, sin has consequences. And again, unrepented mortal sin has eternal consequences. But the beginning of conversion, the beginning of healing, is to acknowledge the truth of who God is in his mercy and to receive his love. 
And then as we're receiving the love of the Father, like, Lord, this is who you say you are on the cross, then this is where we begin, right, to cooperate with his grace. That we need to move and to seek to grow in virtue and to grow as we are, are moving along this journey of conversion that is empowered by the love and the mercy of God, but then also, yes, requires our consistent and our persistent response to him. And so we're here, right, because we have sinned and we need the mercy of God. And the Lord is desirous and generous to give it to us. Now we could ask ourselves the question too, and maybe you've asked yourself the question, have had the experience like St. Paul, like, gosh, like, why do I keep doing the same thing? Why am I sinning? I don't like the sin. I don't want to commit the sin. What is going on here? And just very basically, three aspects, right, of this reality. One, the first is that we have a fallen human nature. We are born with the reality of the effects of sin in our own life. So that we're made to know the Lord, to love the Lord, and to desire God. That we're made to know Him, to love Him, and to desire Him. But because of the effects of sin in our life, then our intellect, right, to the way in which we know God and know the truth is darkened. We get confused. Our will in choosing God and loving God is weakened. And so then we choose lesser things or sin. And then our passions, our desires because of sin are twisted are twisted, are disordered. And so we begin to desire things that are not good for us. So that's the first. Because of the fall, we have this effects of our, our capacity to know, to love, and to desire God has been weakened, has been disordered. Second, we're creatures of habit, which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? That as we choose the good, then we're more disposed to choose the good. But as we sin, we're more disposed to sin. The third thing, and this is where it's an important one as well. There's an enemy who is after our souls. The devil is real. Satan is real. We can overemphasize that, but we can also underemphasize that. But the truth of us to know, again, that Satan is real and he is after us and he wants to tempt us. And so part of the reality of why we're sinning, our fallen human nature, we're creatures of habit. And third, like the enemy is consistently seeking to tempt us and pull us away from the Lord in subtle ways and in prominent ways. So what do we do? Where do we go? Can we come before the Lord in humility and in faith and in confidence that Christ did not leave us alone, that God did not leave us alone in our sin, but he chose, right? The son chose to take on our human nature and to offer his life on the cross for our salvation. Like that is the truth to free us from sin and to call us into a life of continual conversion that we might know authentic happiness here and ultimately for all eternity. We hear, we're here at the beginning of Lent and we're entering into the desert with Jesus. That's what's happening these 40 days 
are an imitation and participation of Jesus' 40 days in the desert. So right after his baptism, at the beginning of his public ministry, he's baptized and the Spirit leads him into the desert. Why does the Spirit lead him into the desert? To do battle with the enemy of our souls. To defeat him for our sake. And so as he... He does, right? We're going to read this coming Sunday, Jesus' temptation in the desert, and he says, he says no to the temptations of the enemy and yes to the Father. And in that way, defeats him. But then he comes back. The enemy comes back while Jesus is on the cross. And again, Jesus says yes to the Father and no to the temptations of the enemy, defeating him. And so what would it be like, brothers and sisters, for us to be able to experience the power of God in our life to begin to move forward in growth in virtue, in healing, in transformation, and freedom from sin in our life. What would that be like? It would be like living in the power of the sons and daughters of the Father. And that's what God wants. And that's what God desires. And so he has invited us this Lent, as he does every Lent, to actually walk with him. To journey with him through the desert. That we might grow in virtue in defeating the enemy and his attack in our own life and souls. And so it might be one sense you'd be like, okay, Lord, I wish you would just like pick me up and bring me to the end, you know? Like just pick me up and bring me there. Why doesn't he just do that? Because he wants us to know the grace of climbing the mountain and winning the victory with him. The person who takes the helicopter, helicopter to the top of the mountain, like, hey, it's nice, it's beautiful, it's a good view. The person who started on the bottom and who hiked their way up and not alone, but with a group of people, when they get to the top of that mountain, that view is much sweeter than the person who took the helicopter there. It's a very poor analogy, very poor analogy as to what God wants to give us in our own life as we grow in conversion and healing with him. And Lynn is a prime time for that. So Jesus invites us to pray and to fast and to give alms, that we're cooperating with him, with the powers that he has given us to know him, to love him, and to desire him now and for all eternity. And brothers and sisters, when that is restored within us as we're cooperating with grace through prayer and fasting and giving alms, there is this joy that only the Holy Spirit can give. Is it painful? Is it difficult along the journey? Yes but it arises within us this joy that only the Holy Spirit can give beginning here and then ultimately complete fulfillment for eternity. Why these things? Prayer. Because we cannot do it on our own. We cannot defeat the enemy on our own, but only with the grace and the power of God. And with him, as scripture tells us, we can do all things. All things. With him.
So we pray to receive the grace of God and to encounter him, who he is, in his mercy and grace for us. Prayer gives us true knowledge of God and true knowledge of ourselves and actually configures us to his own heart. Both the liturgical prayer of the church through the mass as well as our own personal prayer. Secondly, fasting. As we deny ourselves, right, then we begin to say, okay, my passions need to be rightly ordered, like along what is right and good and true. Because if we're always following our passions or emotions, it's like riding a horse. You just drop the reins and it's going to go wherever it wants. But when we, right, begin to know the truth and can deny ourselves, it's like we are controlling this horse and then allow us to move and grow and to climb this mountain with the Lord. Third, almsgiving, because love of God needs to always manifest itself in the love of our brothers and sisters. This tangible love, this practical love, and it takes me out of the center and puts the Lord and loving him in others first. So Christ invites us into the desert. In the midst of our own sin, he manifests his mercy. His love is not based on our performance, but on his heart. And so he offers us forgiveness that we simply turn to him. So an invitation to come to confession if you haven't, especially before, uh, before Easter during this Lenten season. And certainly if we've committed mortal sin, that we might know his mercy. And then we pray and we fast and we give alms. And again, brothers and sisters, all three of these, prayer and fasting and giving alms. And our fasting should be something that is going to actually move in a place of our hearts of real conversion. God's not really concerned, as I said this past Sunday, with how much coffee or chocolate we eat or drink, okay? Certainly he doesn't want us to be gluttons. But the fasting needs to be something that corresponds with an area of my life that needs conversion, that needs healing, that needs growth in God's virtue. So let us pray, commit to prayer, deeper prayer every single day, fasting and giving of alms that as we journey with the Lord, relying upon his grace in this Lenten season, that we won't be perfect at the end, but we will be more deeply configured to Christ and his own virtue given more profoundly in our souls that we might love him, know him, and desire him more, and then therefore experience the joy and the peace and the satisfaction that only he can give. Be not afraid. Be not afraid, for God is with us as we make this journey with him together to know the power and the joy of the resurrection and the new life of Christ in Easter. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.